Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the podcast. And this podcast is going to be a movie roundup. And I haven't done one of these types of podcasts in a while, so I thought it would be a good time. You know, I've been traveling recently, and sometimes when you travel, you get to do things that you don't do very often when you're at home, and you have your normal work routine. And I spent a lot of time on planes the past 10 days, and I was able to see a lot of movies just on the flights and I was very lucky because I saw some really really good movies and so I just wanted to try to share those with you and give you my thoughts on these movies so I'm going to review four of them though there will be four total and when I post this podcast on my site I'll put up trailers for each one of these movies so you can get a feel for what each one of them looks like and uh and make your own decisions. So let's start out here with the first one. The first one, the title, this first one is called Mike Wallace is Here. And this movie came out in 2019, directed by Avi Belkin. And this movie is a documentary of sorts about the life of the famed television interviewer and journalist Mike Wallace. Now, you know, to those listeners out there who are are younger, they may not know who this guy is. They may the name Mike Wallace not might not mean anything to them, but he was a big deal in the seventies, eighties, even nineties. He was famous for his hard hitting, very sort of gritty, no holds barred questions when he would interview famous subjects, and. It's a kind of a style of journalism that really is lost today. Today's journalism, today for what passes as journalism is really all about conflict, entertainment, creating drama, uh, pitting people against each other, this sort of thing. But um, Wallace's shtick was his ability to just hone in on his subjects with a razor sharp precision and just grill them about things. And in those days, that was a big deal. In the in the 60s and 70s, no one really did this. And the movie does a very good job of explaining how he was different from all of his contemporaries. He kind of pioneered this aggressive questioning. And he talks about how when he first started doing this, his studio was sued pretty much all the time. They were always involved in some lawsuit by some aggrieved celebrity who did not like the fact that he was confronted with his ideas or statements or words. So it was very cutting-edge stuff. But it also presents a human side of, of Mike Wallace, I, things I didn't know about him. You know, I guess he had a son that died in a very tragic hiking accident that really affected him. He had to deal with depression. Uh, he had some difficult relationships with people. He was a very driven man. Like many successful men, he was very driven to the exclusion of many other things, including his home life, his family life, and his personal life. And it's a very common pattern that we see. And the movie's strengths are are that it it shows little clips of some of his more famous interviews. Uh, He he even interviewed the Ayatollah Khomeini. Um, Some of them, trying to think of some of the others, are Rod Serling. He had on there Johnny Carson, very, very, very razor sharp guy. Um, a lot of famous people of the 60s and 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, 
I wouldn't say that Mike Wallace is really that important to me as an individual. Uh, he's not really someone that I ever really idolized or thought very much about one way or the other. But I think it's important to recognize the fact that there once was a time when journalism meant something, that it actually served a useful function. Uh, not that today's journalism is entirely useless, but I do think that too much of what we see today as journalism really comes down to just cheerleading for the power structure and just endorsing and looking for handouts from the power, the power structure. And Mike Wallace is a example of, of how that was not always the case. And it shows how he came up through television in the 50s, 60s, how in those days you had to do a little bit of everything. And it took him a little bit of time to find his stride, to really find the thing that he was good at. And once he did, he really developed it. So the lesson is, once you find your strength, once you find what you're good at, don't be afraid to develop it. And you may never know where it comes from. You may never know how you stumble upon what your strength is. And it may be something you never suspected or expected. But I'm convinced that everyone out there has at least one strength. And far too often, people don't do anything to develop it. So I'm going to recommend, with some hesitation, I'll recommend Mike Wallace's here because the only hesitation I'll, I'll, I'll come across here in, in, is that the subject may not be of interest to a lot of people. I think if you're under 30 years old, this is probably going to be something that you, you're, only journalism people are going to really be interested in. I could be wrong, but it may not be of interest to everybody, but it's still a, a decent movie. It does lag uh, in some areas in some points it's kind of slow at times i do think it could have done a better job at pulling together all sides of his personality and presenting us with a comprehensive portrait of him as a man the the film really doesn't do that but it's still worth seeing i'll still give it you know maybe three and a half out of five stars it's still worth seeing very much worth seeing so consider that all right, the next movie we're going to discuss is Destroyer, a 2018 noir crime drama starring uh, Nicole Kidman. And, you know, this is one of those movies that makes it such a pleasure to be a movie fan like I am and a movie, I guess I don't want to call myself a critic, but a discusser of film. It's so uh, enjoyable when you stumble upon something you never expected was going to be a, a hidden gem and turns out to be a very, very, very good little movie. And this is one of those movies. I've always been a big fan of the noir crime dramas. And this is a, uh, a fantastic um, noir crime drama. It has all of the noir hallmark features. You've got a troubled haunted protagonist in the form of Nicole Kidman as a as a uh, sort of a emaciated alcoholic cop who is haunted by an experience that she went through some years prior uh, when she was working undercover to arrest a group of bank robbers it's got that sense of dread it has this sense of sort of doom hanging over the the head of the protagonist um, it has that feel of, of uh, desperation, of claustrophobic intensity, and you know it's all going to end badly, but yet you can't 
take your eyes off the screen. And um, I, I, I don't want to reveal too much about the plot, but essentially what this movie is about is you've got an LAPD detective and the name in the movie is Erin Bell. And she uh, is revealed to be someone known on the force as someone with a shady past. And it turns out that we find out through flashbacks that at one time she worked with an, uh, an FBI agent undercover to infiltrate a group of bank robbers uh, led by a very devious and ruthless guy uh, known as uh, Silas, played by Toby Kebbell. K-E-B-B-E-L-L. And uh, Nicole Kidman's character and the FBI agent fall in love in, in real time uh, as they're doing this undercover work, and they have uh, certain consequences that come out of it. And they, uh, let's just say without revealing too much, that they, they, uh, they betray their oaths as law enforcement officers, and they kind of go off the rails. And what this movie does is it deals with the consequences of that. And the consequences are devastating, to say the least. Uh, there are some subplots here with uh, her, her dysfunctional daughter, a 16-year-old daughter who she tries and fails to get back on the right track. Uh, but what really makes this movie impressive is the storyline, the very, very tightly plotted storyline, which really is something that Christopher Nolan uh, the British director Christopher Nolan would be would be proud of, but Nicole Kidman pulls this off with real, real acting proficiency. I think she's probably the best actress of her generation, and she, like all good actresses or actors or actresses, uh, he or she, he or she has the ability to to transform herself completely into the role, and she is almost unrecognizable in this movie as a as someone who's obviously carrying carrying baggage as a as a sort of a burnout she's she's a complete burnout and yet even burnouts do have a place they can set things right if they can only try enough but their earlier courses of action still doom them just like all great noir films you can't escape the consequences of your actions fate or fortune or whatever you want to call it is still hanging out there and is still going to render judgment so that's really one of the things we know is going to happen in in destroyer and the director does not disappoint so that's a, a huge thumbs up here on destroyer that's a, that's definitely uh the the top of the group here all right the next film we're going to discuss is at eternity's gate directed by julian schnabel and this is a, a, a biographical drama about the life of the famed artist Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh. And I understand I'm not pronouncing that name correctly, but that's how, that's how he's known in English. So that's how I'm going to um, render it here in this podcast. But this is a, a, another fantastic movie, a, a very, very beautifully and intelligently uh, filmed movie starring Willem Dafoe, who again is one of the great actors out there. Um, you know, is there anything that he, that Willem Dafoe can't do when it comes to acting? Uh, this guy just does it all. It's just incredible. He, in this role, transforms himself into the tortured uh, Vincent Van Gogh, the original, the original tormented artist. And he shows him uh, living uh, 
this itinerant lifestyle in various uh, towns in southern France, in Arles, and some other places, shows his interactions with his brother Theo, and even presents an interesting theory, an interesting alternative theory that seems to have gained steam in recent years as to how Van Gogh actually met his death. There, there are some uh, uh, historians who say that it was not actually suicide, that it was, it was due to the hands of a, a mischievous group of, of, um, of local boys who were in the habit of tormenting him. And things got out of hand and, and things just kind of escalated. But um, this, this is, you know, I was expecting to see a very depressing uh, kind of uh, portrayal of Vincent van Gogh, because there have been some other uh, biographical dramas about artists that, that really left me with a bad feeling. There was one by that Ed Harris starred in that was a, a, a biographical drama about the life of, um, of um, gosh, who was it, the... Um, the the abstract impressionist uh, Jackson Pollock that's his, that's who it was and I forget the title of the movie but it was just very depressing I, I not not that Ed Harris didn't do a good job but it didn't leave me with a very uplifting feeling it, it portrayed him as a real lout which maybe he was but this movie at Eternity's Gate we get the sense that even though even though Van Gogh was not recognized and was overlooked in his time. We, we get a very inspired feeling from this movie. We, we, there's a scene where Van Gogh is, is confined to an asylum, and he's uh, interviewed by a, a priest there before he's going to be released, and the priest, priest is played by none other than the great um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who, uh, to his credit, agreed to appear in this movie in a, a small little a bit part. And Van Gogh basically says, look, you know, I, I, um, I understand I'm not recognized, but maybe my time has not yet come. Maybe I'm not meant for this generation. Maybe I'm meant for, be, for being recognized 20, 30, 40 years from now. And of course, he turned out to be right. But what's really nice about this movie, it's, it's just such a, a brilliant character study this is this is the type of movie that we really need more of for a lot of famous artistic and historical figures because it gives us an idea of what made this guy tick what was he like what did he think how how did he talk what did he eat what did he what clothes did he wear and you just know that the director and his producers and the writers did their research for this movie. There are no flights of fancy here. There's no ad-libbing. There's no uh, standard Hollywood, politically correct nonsense inserted in this movie. It's as real as it gets. It's as real as it gets. And the, the job that, that, that they've done is a fantastic job here. So I, I recommend Julian Schnabel's Ad Eternity's Gate. Uh, see it. Absolutely see it. All right, the final movie that we're going to talk about here is a, uh, uh, a documentary by Werner, the German director Werner Herzog uh, called Meeting Gorbachev, Meeting Gorbachev, which came out in 2018. And this is a straightforward documentary about the life of the former Soviet premier, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, who, as everyone knows, presided over the the dissolution of the Soviet Union. He was the last Soviet premier. And, you know, Herzog is an interesting guy. You know, he's, he's, 
he's a really hit or miss type of director. He these days he pretty much just does documentaries, and he he did make a movie a few years back which I saw, which was absolutely horrible. But when he's when he's on when he's on point, there's nobody that makes a better documentary than Herzog. He did uh, one of the best documentaries I've, I've ever seen, which I'd recommend, which is called Cave of Forgotten Dreams. It's about a the cave paintings uh, that were discovered in a cave in France some years back, and it's just a wonderful movie. But um, meeting Gorbachev is basically his record, uh, the Herzog's record of his interviews with the 85 or 87 year old Gorbachev, who's 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 not going to be with us much longer. So I'm glad that Herzog has done us all a service by getting on to film a record of what the personal testament of this man really was. And Gorbachev remains a, a very controversial figure. He remains a very controversial figure. In the West, he's idolized as a progressive uh, visionary who um, understood that it was time for the Soviet Union to uh, come to an end and to, and to uh, change into something different. But we have to recognize that that uh, that is that is only one view. That is not that is a view that is not shared by many, especially in uh, in the um, in in Russia. Frankly, uh, he remains a very controversial, if 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 not even a, a negatively viewed person in in Russia, for being supposedly a, a traitor to the country, for being too much in the pocket of the West, for being a stooge of Western interests, and you know. The verdict is still out on on Gorbachev. You know, I really don't. Um, I don't profess to be a, a specialist in in Soviet history or um, Soviet affairs. Uh, I think. I think my own personal view is the best thing I think we can say about Gorbachev is he let. Um, he, he certainly was someone who tried to reform the communist system. And I think he had good intentions in trying to do that, but I think he underestimated the difficulties involved in in doing it. And this brings up the question, uh, which Herzog uh, probes into: is was it even possible to reform the Soviet system? Was it even possible, or was it just impossible? Was was Gorbachev deluding himself into thinking that it was even possible? And the answer is: we don't know. We don't know. My own personal view is that nothing is inevitable in history. There's a, there's a tendency that we have to look back on history and think that everything that we see, it, that how everything developed as it did develop, was inevitable. But that's not always the case. Possibly, under the right circumstances, maybe the Soviet Union could have been reformed in the way that, say, China is now being reformed. Maybe it could not have been. I don't know. Uh, but I think that that's something that historians can debate. But at the very least, what I think, I think, I think history does owe him a debt of gratitude for one thing only. He did not resort to violence to try to keep the Soviet Union together, which some, some other types of rulers might have tried to do. He allowed, for example, the reunification of Germany to take place without intervening and without trying to stop it. He allowed the Baltic states to declare their independence. He allowed uh, the other Soviet satellites to to go their own separate ways. Uh, he did not try to use violence to preserve that union. He just let them go. 
And we can see how that matters. You know, uh, it's again, it's not an exact analogy, but when the when the Yugoslav when Yugoslavia uh, collapsed into uh, a number of different republics, that was not the outcome. The dominant force uh, in Yugoslavia tried to preserve that federation by force, and Yugoslavia, as we know, descended into war and. And, uh, and chaos for some years. That did not happen with the Soviet Union, luckily. So, you know, we can debate whether Gorbachev was, was too naive, was too politically inept, was maybe too um, inexperienced to handle the job at hand. But who knows? Who knows? These are, these are very, very big questions. But at the very least, I learned a lot more about Gorbachev than I ever knew before. Uh, the movie talks about his upbringing, his uh, his background, his very very modest background, his rise to power, his meetings with uh, President Reagan in the eighties, uh, his dismay at seeing all of his projects unravel and just spin off into centrifugal forces that he could not control in the early nineties. So it's a very very interesting picture of a very turbulent and eventful period in history, that period of history from, say, 1985 to 1992 is a, a critical period of history for Europe as a whole. And I think it's a, a period that we all need to study very carefully to learn what lessons we can learn about it. So thumbs up again for meeting Gorbachev, highly recommended. So this is a rare uh, movie review podcast here where I'm going to recommend all of these movies, all four of them, although one of them with some reservations. The Mike Wallace movie, uh, maybe it, maybe it's only really going to be interesting to people who are already interested in the subject, but the remaining three movies are definite, uh, definite recommendations, and I would uh, urge you to try to uh, see movies that are intelligent and and entertaining and that elevate you rather than the dreck that you often find uh, out there. So absorb good things and avoid bad things. All right. So that will be the conclusion here of this podcast. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night. <laughs>